0: all right why don't we grab our seats and get started uh i'll say a quick prayer to get us going while you guys are there jesus we just thank you for an amazing opportunity that we have together to um gather together to celebrate you today to experience your grace your love um your acceptance of each and every one of us. We just ask that as we dialogue today, as we talk about this, that each of us just senses your presence in a new way today, that just senses a release off of self and off of trying to earn your love and on to just accepting everything that you've provided and done and given for us. Uh, we just ask that through the discussion and everything today that we just feel closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, welcome... Um, I wanted to, um, we've had some really good Sundays the last uh, five, I guess. We did a community discipline last week with the four before that we were really talking about these fundamentals of how Jesus taught and what verses he taught from and what that tells us about God since he's the best image that we have of, of God and how he loves. And uh, A lot of it was looking at even the different areas of loving your enemy and what that said about God, how he lavished upon even those that seem to be against him. And the last Sunday we looked at how Jesus even retold a prophecy from Isaiah to remove the gloom and doom from God's enemies and to instead show that it was uh, outsiders that God has been loving all along and that uh, there really isn't anyone that's escaping his love and his attention and what he does. Um, But man, when I was growing up, I uh, I had this crazy feeling, well, not crazy, but I definitely felt like I couldn't measure up to uh, my dad in my life. Like, it doesn't, didn't seem like no matter what I did, I could ever get the, like, oh, nice job with that. It was always criticism of what could have done better or what wasn't. Um, and it really was a, an interesting viewpoint that I think carried over to God as well in my own life, that there's this pleasing that needs to happen for him to be okay with me. I've got to do something to—and do it a little bit better than last time, so he takes notice or is happy or there's something going on. Uh, And I think in my own life, probably around 17 years old, it clicked where this just isn't going to happen with my dad. I don't think there's—I've just got to stop trying to please him, and so just— Gave up on that. Uh, And maybe 18, 19, 20, 21, somewhere in there, there was a... I probably just can't please God either. Like, there's just um, this uh, this list of regulations that are put out there that if you live this way, God is pleased with you. If you don't, he might not be. I did not measure up to that stick. And so it was like, man, why even try? If if all my best efforts are just going to land me in disappointment and a God who's just not paying attention to me... um, just like my other dad, um, why go there? why? why even try? And so I think there was this like this lull of i 'm just not going to put effort in any longer to try to do this now, my grandmother and my mother really did a great job of making sure I always knew that God loved me, so there's this is base like luke you're loved and I know I've said this many times, but I, I honestly had this, this thought that if I died, I would definitely be with the divine, with everyone in whatever the next heaven, whatever that looks like. But there would be people panicking, being like, who the heck let Luke in? Did we, did he sneak over the gate? Did he backdoor and can someone check the records? Because what was pitched to me, what was shown, was definitely this earning system. And we're a grace church, and so uh, I see grace being the most important element that Jesus brings us and the most important revelation in the whole Bible and, and this fact that it's God pursuing us. Um, grace being the free and unmerited favor of God. It's, it's free. It's a gift. It's, it's, it's given to us. It isn't earned. Yet, so many times we find ourselves being a follower of Jesus or entering camps of Jesus' followers and not feeling... This, a love that doesn't have strings attached. an acceptance, a pride, a, um, that there, there's little things that we can do to mess things up. I had a friend who um, smoked cigarettes, and cigarettes was his jam with God, where he thought, man, I, I'm back to smoking cigarettes, God isn't looking at me anymore. Like, he had to turn his back for this moment on me, and he's no longer can be, shine on me until I finally get over this addiction. And he'd make it like a few days and be like, I feel, I feel so good right now. I feel like God is like, like loves me and is shining down on me. And be like, really? Because you, because you're struggling to quit cigarettes for two days. And then he would, we'd be at a party somewhere and there's cigarettes in the air and he'd start smoking again and be like, I blew it. Why even tried?" And you just see the depression that sets in. Just like, I, I just can't, I can't do it. And for, I don't know why cigarettes were his thing with God, but that was the one thing that, man, if I do this, God's just so disappointed. He can't even look at me right now. He just got to turn his head and look the other way. And it's, man, when you start to realize how loving God is, if you spend the weeks that we have together, like focusing on this retelling of the story that Jesus does, this reframing of what God looks like, it breaks your heart to think that there's so many people out there that are uh, thinking they don't line up, thinking that they're not good enough, thinking that there's something more, thinking that they have to earn God's love. Uh, and to be honest, grace runs counter to, it seems like, everything on the inside of me. My human instinct nature just seems to be like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, there, our society is built on this desire to earn, this desire to get merit, this desire to look pleasing to those around us, and it gets reflected back on God in a, in a way that clouds things, that makes him look different, that, that really messes with the whole thing if we're really... Understanding grace, um, Romans three twenty through twenty four says, "Therefore, doing what the law prescribes will not make anyone right in the eyes of God. That's not its purpose." But now for the good news, God's restorative justice has entered the world independent of this law and this redeeming justice comes through the faithfulness of Jesus, the anointed one, the liberating king who makes salvation a reality to all who believe without the slightest partiality. We've been looking at who's in and who's out, who's insiders, who's outsiders, because it seemed like that was the church in the New Testament was trying to figure that out and God's seems to keep bringing it back to the, you. You're all wrong with the insiders and the outsiders. I love everyone. He makes salvation a reality to all who believe without the slightest partiality. You see, all have sinned, and all have their futile efforts to reach God and his glory fail. Yet they're now saved and set right by his free gift, oh, free gift of grace through the redemption available only in Jesus the Anointed. There's something so powerful about this revelation that Paul brings us in so many epistles in the New Testament that this is free, this isn't earned, this isn't, again, trying to get pats on the back, this isn't trying to look better in front of someone else, this isn't propping yourself up so that you get a bigger mansion or more gold when you get to heaven, that there's this, this sense that you can't buy God's love and you can't run away from it hard enough. There's nothing you can do that will make him turn his back on you. No matter how bad you screw up, no matter how horrible and painful the mistake you make. He's right there, arms open wide, love just pouring out. I love the, the story of the prodigal son where he goes away and spends all the money and uh, he's just enjoying life. And he realizes one day I'm hungry and he's in a pigsty and he's like, man, my father's servants get eat better than this. And so he decides to head back home because his, he's hungry. Not because he's sad for anything he did for his dad. Not because he's like, man, maybe I can, maybe I can mooch off of Pops a little bit. And it says that the father sees him a long way off and runs to him with arms open wide. There was no forgiveness that was asked for. There was no, oh, I screwed up. I shouldn't have left. It was a, uh, man, I'm kind of hungry. Do we have food in the fridge again. It's like the kid coming back home who's been gone a while and you just, you're in the living room watching TV and all of a sudden you hear the fridge open and you're like, we're alone, aren't we? Like, what's going on? And oh, it's... My kid who left, oh, you're just going to raid the fridge. Sounds good. But the God element in this story runs and hugs and like, yes, let's not just raid the fridge. He's like, let's throw the biggest party that we've ever thrown. Let's celebrate that my son who was lost is now back. And he doesn't seem to care about the reasons that brought him back or anything else. It's that he's back. And this brings us, to grace and needing to understand grace and wanting to talk about it because it's such a pinnacle. We've got this reframing of God through Jesus, but the message of grace is his message. And so if this isn't the foundation that everything stands on that we talk about here, if this one key, this one starting point isn't at the bottom of the pinnacle of ideas that we're standing on for spirituality, living a life of love, then it's... it's it's messy. It's going to fall apart. There's. It really, no matter what angle you try to to put on Christianity, if it's not founded in grace, it just crumbles. It just doesn't stand. We can always find things to sh- shoot holes in it and ways it doesn't work. If we go to Romans eleven six. It says grace is central in God's action here, and it has nothing to do with the deeds prescribed by the law. If it did, grace would not be grace. If it had anything to do with you performing to some set of rules so that you can own up, look right, do something, then it's not grace. This is how we're meshed with God. How we're loved. How where he sees us as perfect. Now Jesus gives us tons of examples of ways that we can be his hands and feet. Ways that we can usher in the kingdom of heaven. If we love our neighbor differently than we have been. If we love our enemies the way he's loved us. These are invitations into his way of living in the kingdom of God, but no way do they distract from his love for us or take us away from any invitation to be in right standing or in perfect relationship with God for as as long as eternity lasts and whatever that looks like. There's nothing that those performance issues change that. It's only because of this gift that he's laid in front of us and said, hey, This is from me for you. And it's not just a gift that was like, hey, I wanted to give this to you, and you run away. It's that he's constantly there like, hey, don't forget, I brought this again. I know you didn't want it last time, but it's right here waiting. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, he says, at the beginning of Ephesians, it starts talking about this Ephesians 2, how we all have messed up. we're, We're human. We are fragile. We have got broken stuff about us. But then... In verse 4, it starts with, but God. So it's like, yeah, we're all human, but. But God, with the unfathomable riches of his love and mercy, focused on us, united us with the anointed one, and infused our lifeless souls with life. Even though we were buried under mountains of sin, he saved us by his grace. He raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly realms with our beloved Jesus the anointed, the liberating king. He did this for a reason so that for all of eternity we would stand as a living testimony to the incredible riches of his grace and kindness that he freely gives to us by uniting us with Jesus the anointed. For it is by God's grace that you've been saved. You receive it through faith. It's not our plan or our effort. It is God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. None of us did. So don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. Or bragging that you've got the, the right formula for what Christianity looks like. Or bragging that um, someone else is wrong because they don't look like how you're worshiping God. Because you didn't earn it. It was a gift. So, and none of us is. So stop going around bragging that you must have done something amazing. For we're all the product of his hand. Heaven's poetry is etched on our lives. Created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works God arranged long ago. It seems like as the years go by and the older I get, this line, heaven's poetry, etched on our lives. Just, I see it everywhere. No matter, the people who are most different from me, who worship God the most, like, so different, I see heaven's poetry etched on our lives. I sense the love of their creator and this unity and this grace is a gift for every single person. I love this verse in the scriptures where it says God sent his son to pay this sacrifice. We see this story of Jesus dying and being beaten, and the sacrifice being paid, a life getting cut short, 33 years old, roughly. And I said, if, if God was, is, was willing to do this, to come and be human, to, to um, sympathize with us, to walk in our shoes, to be, able to be like, that's what it's like to be human. That's what it's like to, to hurt. That's what it's like to struggle. That's what it's like to want to do good and feel the human impulse to just protect self and to shun everyone else. He understands and he sympathizes with our weaknesses. And he says, if I was willing to do that, what wouldn't I do so that each and every person would know that I love them and invited them to be with me forever? But this, this thought that a relationship or salvation or something with Jesus is earned, is merited, is, is a reward because you said the right prayer or you did the right uh, actions, you loved your neighbor just right, and now you're, you're, you're invited into some brotherhood of saints that perform correctly is, is bogus. It's bad theology. It's, uh, this is a gift, plain and simple. And I hear... I hear the, those out there who who critique it. Well, Luke, but if you tell people that that God loves them no matter what, they're going to just run free and sin and do whatever they want to do. And you're like, really? That's that's where we go? So don't tell them about God's gift because if we do, then they'll just turn into sinners. So let's bury the good news of the gospel. Let's bury this truth. Let's bury this love. And instead, let's put it back on their shoulders and be like, if you perform just right, then he'll love you. And that's going to... Pr- produce good works. in me, it produced failure. I tried and just was done. Like, this isn't happening. Some of you are good at whatever list someone gave you. And so you're like, I got my list down, Pat. But Jesus talked to those people too and he's like, you're missing it. You, you might not be murdering someone or, but he's like, this is, this is about people and compassion and so much bigger than if you were even thinking ill about your brother. You've missed it. And you've missed all of this. And so he takes this, this list that we think we're doing good, and he just kind of crumbles it. I hear so many people that talk about what could be after death. And whether they're Christians or not, so many times it's like, well, they were good people, so I'm sure good people will be there. And so what's the opposite of that then? People you think are bad are not going to be there? They're not invited in there. And then who sets that list? And what does that list look like? Which denomination has the right List of what's good and what's bad that are going to let people in or not? Or do we believe what Jesus said? What the saints say after him and the scriptures write about it's a free gift. So top trying to earn it, trying to one-up your neighbor, trying to, what if we were all on an even playing field with God's love? What if there wasn't anything you could earn it? But what if all of a sudden then you can rest and all of a sudden it's not this pressure to perform and you're like, okay, now what do I do with my time? And my energy in this heart, like all of a sudden I'm feeling gracious. I'm resting. I've stopped running the, that uh, hamster wheel to get God's love. And all of a sudden you hear this still small voice that points out someone in your life and be like, what if we loved this person a little differently? What if we provided for them? What if we bought them a meal right now? What if we rake their leaves because it looks like they're stressed out and work's been crazy and they're just piling up in their yard? Instead of just complaining about it, when our friends are over, look at my neighbor's yard. They didn't have time to rake it, It looks horrible. What if we went over there and started with something as small as raking leaves to say, like, hey, I saw you were busy. and I wanted to help out. And I wanted to be a part of your life. The interesting thing is once you give up on self-perfection and give up on you and give up on trying to perform, all of a sudden there's this freedom to be like, man, what do I want to do? Where is there room? And that's where it gets scary because all of a sudden, there are these ideas, these divine sparks, these little seeds that say, well, what if we did this? Or what if we love this person? You're like, oh, really? That person? That kind of love? I just saved that $100. I wanted to buy a new pair of sneaks. Like, they're calling my name. They must have, they could have budgeted for this problem in their life. They could have saved up. Like, now that crap hits the fan and they're short $100, bucks, i am the one who's got to step up and do it and this struggle goes on but inside there's a softening that says yeah but what if and then you try it and you follow god and you do this thing all of a sudden you feel like you're in tune with this divine song and all this wandering and all this looking for god and all this trying to perform all of a sudden seems to make sense and you're like oh this is what it's all about this is why he says my yoke is easy and it's made to fit you this is who i was made to be this makes sense this feels good Grace is not fair. It's something way better than that. I love the parable in the vineyard. Jesus gives this parable and he says, a guy owns a field, a vineyard. In the morning he goes to the city and he grabs a couple workers and he says, come work in my vineyard for this price. And they're out working and it must have just been the perfect environment and he's like, man, we could get some more people out here. And so he goes back to the city around lunchtime and he grabs some more people and he says, come out to the vineyard and work and I'll pay you this price for the day. And this guy must not have a lot to do because he ends up going to the city a couple more times, but he's, I don't he's got afternoon tea uh, and he's in the city again, and he grabs some more people at like 3 o'clock, and it says, come out to the vineyard. It makes it seem like are even right up to the end. He finds someone who needs a job or can be a part of this and invites them to be a part of this vineyard. And then the clock, or the crow, I don't know what happens back then. How, how do you know? What did they do before watches? Like, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, when I was thinking about the story, like, how did they know the workday? Was in? the sun is setting? Is it... But anyway, whatever they used figure out that the day was done the whistle blowing they're ready to get their checks and uh jesus starts with the guy or the god person in the story starts with the uh this vineyard owner starts with the person who's there the shortest amount of time the guy who showed up at like 15 2 he he raked just a few things clipped a couple branches and all of a sudden the whistle goes he's like man this was this is the best job ever and he hands him a full day's wages And the guy behind him is like, man, I've been here since three. He just was here 20 minutes. And Jesus hands him the full day wages. And he goes on to the person who was there the whole stinking day. And these guys are ticked. They're like, why did you pay them the same as us? Like, this doesn't seem fair. And he's like, I told you what I would pay you for a full day's wages. Why, Why are you mad that I gave everybody the same? The thing ends up saying like, um... He tells him to take your money and go home. He says, I can give my money to whoever I please and it pleases me to pay everyone the same amount of money. Do you think that I don't have the right to dispose of my money as I wish? Or does my generosity somehow prick at you? This is a question I think you could ask the American church half the time. Does my generosity prick at you? Is my ability to love everyone the same and want to dole out my grace the same to every single person. Does that, does that bother you? Am I not allowed to be this generous if I want to? And the only reason it would bother you is if you're on a weight scale again. If you're like, a, my performance deserves more than someone else's performance. My actions get more, their actions get less. There's a tick, there's a check and balance. And it shows us right again, like, man, I'm back onto the measuring people. And God is not in the business of measuring people He's in measuring out the full amount of grace and love and acceptance and peace. And the sooner we get that, and that is the foundation, that's the starting point, this is, everything's built on that, the sooner this all starts to click and make sense and we've got more time and we stop running around worried about me and we've got time to love our neighbor as Jesus tells us to. But then I'll end up talking to you, some of you and you'll be like, well, what about this verse? Well, does this verse fit with... How God looks, how we've been talking about Jesus redefining God. Okay, yeah, maybe it does. Sounds good. Does it fit with grace? I don't know. It seems to be the opposite. Then, then maybe we need to read what's going on more because grace is central to what God is talking about in the New Testament. If your verse that you find or Paul's talking to someone or someone else is talking to whoever and it seems to contradict this, then we need to dive in and find out Why? Because it doesn't just nix all of God's grace and love because we find one verse that doesn't make sense and you're like, but what about this? I'm sure there's a bigger story. Either something's lost in translation or you don't understand who he's speaking to or there's a bigger story going on here because this is the story of God's love. Grace is super wonderful. It's surprising. It's, it feels amazing, but it definitely is not fair. There is nothing fair about it. It is beyond fair. Today, God is going to give me ridiculous, completely unfair, surprising amounts of grace and love that continue to just amaze me and how beautiful and loving he is and inspire me to be that way to those around me. Today, God is going to give me so much more than I could ever dream of earning on my best day and my best effort in my, I got enough sleep, I ate the right diet, I am motivated for some reason to just conquer the world. That day, my best effort. He loves me better than that every single day, even on my worst days, the days where I get angry and do something stupid or say something stupid or I just am selfish. He loves me the same way. Today if you're looking for it, God will surprise you with the amount of grace and love that he is pouring out to you. And if you're not surprised by the amount of grace coming, then I wonder if you understand it yet. If you understand what he's really about, if you understand the story of this really is the foundation that you're building your faith on, or if this is just a little brick that confuses you, that's somewhere in the mix of the bricks. Jesus talks about the, the builder building on this stone foundation. He says, I'm the cornerstone. We start with Jesus, and then we start with Jesus' message, with the message of grace, love, and forgiveness. There are no outsiders. Everyone is an insider. God loves everyone the same. Then you can start building on, well, yes, we love our neighbor as ourselves. We love our enemy as Jesus loved us. Jeez, how does that look? How do we do that? How do we work these things out? We start to hang things on this beautiful curtain rod he gave us, but this curtain rod is Jesus and his grace that his, he's paid for everything for us. So we do communion every Sunday when we get together. We need that physical, tangible object. We need something natural that's been made divine, just like God in human flesh, being the divine becoming human that says, that reminds us it's all Jesus and it's not me. And together we walk up there and we think of all the ways that we tried to measure ourselves or measure someone else during the week and we get to lay it all down on that table and be like, I, I don't have to carry this. I don't have to carry the comparison. I don't have to carry the, the trying to earn this stuff. I just get to lay it down and I get to pick up this piece of bread and dip it in the wine and enjoy the light beauty that comes in knowing that God has taken all this off my shoulders. So it can't be earned. Nothing can add or subtract from his love. Have you received this free gift of grace. There's not a special prayer. There's not a way to get on it. It's just receiving it. Have you received it or are you still trying to earn? And where are you trying to earn? What What does that look like? Can you practice setting that crap down for a while and just resting in him and trusting that he really does have it? Following that spirit, that still small voice that may inspire us to go somewhere else. Can we trust God with this or do we have to micromanage each other to make sure everything's going on? Jesus says, it's better that I leave because the Spirit of God, I'm going to send him to fill each and every one of you. Do we really trust that the Spirit of the living God is in us? Or do we think, ah, I better be there to make sure you're not screwing up, to make sure you're not messing around, to make sure that you're not breaking some rule or... Even the, the things that are so important to us, generosity and peace and love and acceptance, like we're going to miss it at times, but it's not this... Throwing stones at one another when you see it, it's that honesty like we talked about last week with being able to confess to one another. I'm struggling. I want to be more generous here, but man, it's been hard because it it seems like this person is just trying to walk all over me or steal my job or make me look bad so that they can get the promotion I was hoping for. How do you love someone who is in direct competition with you? And that's the kind of honesty that, that invites healing and invites openness, being able to say that with one another. Instead of putting on the mask that says... I'm perfect. Everything is great. This last week was fantastic. I was actually having a conversation with my mom this last week. We had a great lunch together, and we were talking about childhood, and some of this stuff came up, probably because I'm writing about it. I don't know why. Maybe just divine moment. Uh, We talked about one of the hardest things sometimes growing up was that we had to put a smile on when we drove into church, no matter if we were fighting on the way in or what happened the week before. It, it could have sucked. I could be buried in homework as a kid or just feeling the pressures of life, but you couldn't say that. You had to make it look like everything was okay, and it was so hard to do that. And I told her, I'm like, one of the most beautiful things to me is sitting in discussion, and we'll get to discussion a little bit, and one of you being able to be honest be like, yeah, we fought all the way in. And there's something on the inside of me that is just like, yes, there is beauty in being able to be open and honest and just be like, this was a hard week. I was pissed at Doug or Amy or, you know, like, because they said something mean last week. They were an ass, and I didn't appreciate that. And I've, I've been ticked, but now I can say it, and now I can be honest. And there's something that happens. There's a healing that happens because of that. Um, I'm talking too much. Have you accepted grace or are you still trying to earn it yet? Maybe you think he's disappointed with you at times and it's time to just unwrap this gift of free grace because it's not true. He's always in love with you. He's always pursuing you. How do you give your love to someone else? Is it with expectations? Is it with ifs, ands, buts? If it looks this way, then I'll love you. Or is it free? Can we even grasp this? Can we practice it? Can we try it out together? How do we model this out? As a community, if this really is one of the foundational principles of, of Bloom, we've got to talk about this. We've got to live it. We've got to discuss it. We've got to chew on it. It just can't be a one-time conversation, then we move on. Like, oh, we got that. Uh, because we obviously don't. These four of Jesus Sundays we had brought up a lot of questions and a lot of interesting perspective from people because we're kind of tearing down old models of what God looked like and we're rebuilding him here so that it's, there's something... We're looking at Jesus as the architect, as the, uh, the lens through which we're now viewing Scripture. What does Jesus say about this? Does he redefine something? And now, what is his message that he's bringing? And what is he sharing? How is this grace and this gift that he's paid for, how does it change things? How does it change what we look at? If we're doing this, it may bring up questions, it may bring up amazing discussion, but it's, we keep ourselves centered on the things that Um, are most valuable to us and take its places. I'm going to pray and we're going to go into discussion for a bit and we're going to see what comes out. Uh, We started a little bit late today, so I apologize, but we do have music as well. So, um, Jesus, uh, help us to rethink any area of our life where we're still trying to earn, where we're still trying to measure up, where we're still trying, where we're measuring someone else up instead of just seeing that you love them, that you love us, that there's nothing that can separate you or anyone else from the love of God. We just ask that as we discuss today, as we chew on this this week, as we try to practice this, that your spirit would be there with us, confirming, whispering that love and acceptance and grace in our ears. Help us to see it this week. Help us to be surprised by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.